Saint Sebastian today. He lived in the early church like the 290s during the Diocletian persecution. And he was uh, betrayed by a false disciple and led before the emperor Diocletian. And he ordered him to be shot with arrows. So they fired arrows into him. I don't know, 60, 70 arrows, whatever, and they left him for dead. But miraculously, he wasn't dead. He stood up and walked back to the emperor. People were like freaking out. Like, what is this, a mummy? He walked with all these arrows sticking in him, all his blood. He walked right to the emperor. He said, you have got to stop this persecution. You're persecuting the true God, Jesus Christ. You need to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. And then they beat Sebastian to death with clubs on the spot. Saint Sebastian. Gospel from Mark 3. And Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve to be with him, and to be sent out to preach, and to have authority to cast out demons. These are bishops, apostles. Simon, whom he surnamed Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, who he surnamed Sons of Thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now this reading is literally about the apostles, bishops. However, I'm going to apply it to laymen. It says, Jesus went on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. That's baptism. See, when you're baptized, Jesus calls you. You don't choose God when you're baptized. God chooses you. Because at baptism, you become an adopted child of God. Okay? When the parents go to the orphanage, the kid doesn't pick the parents out. The parents pick the kids out. So parents pick children to adopt. God chooses us at our baptism to adopt us as a child. So it says, He called to him those whom he desired you're baptized God desires you to be his adopted child and the next line says and they came to him very important they came to him you have to come to the Lord you have to use your free will and come to him after this baptism okay you have to reject mortal sin you got to get out of mortal sin do battle against mortal sin desire to live in a state of grace it's called the purgative way spiritual life has three steps a purgative way where you decide you want to live in the state of sanctifying grace and you start warring against mortal sin. And then after that, God leaves, leads you into what's called the uh, illuminative way, where you start battling venial sin, because the mortal sin is under control. Now you battle the venial sin and, and, and uh, try to acquire virtues. It's called the illuminative way. And they came to him. This is the purgative way and the illuminative way. And then he says, and he pointed the twelve to be with him. This is the third step of the spiritual life. It's called the unitive way. He pointed them to 
be with him. Unitive way. That's when you live constantly in the presence of God. Mortal sin and venial sin are under control. Virtues have been acquired in the soul. God, the Holy Spirit is perfecting you. Called the unitive way. Again, this reading is literally about bishops, okay, the apostles. As a matter of fact, there's saints that say the church has no business at all making a man a bishop if he's not in the unitive spirituality level. In other words, we need living saints to be bishops, not hirelings. But again, we're not uh, we're applying this to the layman today. Again, it says, and they came to him. That's the purgative way. That's the illuminative way. Battling mortal and venial sin, living in the state of grace, acquiring virtues. And it says, he appointed them to be with him. That's the unitive way. And it says, then he sent them out to preach. Literally, this is the apostles. This liturgical preaching, which us laymen do not do. But we do do everyday, ordinary preaching in the world. And our preaching, our evangelizing, catechizing is not going to be worth a hill of beans. Unless we're cooperating with the Holy Spirit, working through these three levels of the spiritual life. The purgative way, getting mortal sin under control. The illuminative way, getting venial sin under control and acquiring virtues. In the unitive way, where the Holy Spirit is completing the work of sanctity in us, making us saints. Okay, our catechism lesson yesterday was confirmation. We're going to continue on it. Uh, the gifts of the Holy Ghost pertain to confirmation, because our capacity for those gifts are greatly increased at this sacrament. First of all, St. Pius X asks, what are these seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? Answer, wisdom, understanding. Counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. Now he's going to break them all down after he tells us that these gifts of the Holy Spirit serve to establish us in faith, hope, and charity. He says the gifts of the Holy Spirit render us prompt in the exercise of acts of virtue necessary towards attaining Christian perfection. Now, one at a time, he breaks them down. Wisdom. What is wisdom? It's a gift by which the mind is lifted from earthly things, enabling it to contemplate things eternal. What is understanding? It's a gift which facilitates, as far as possible, the mortal man, the understanding of the truths of faith. What is counsel? Counsel is a gift by which, amidst the doubts and uncertainties of life, we're enabled to recognize things that are that redound more to the glory of God and the salvation of souls. And what is fortitude? Fortitude is a gift which inspires us with valor and courage to observe faithfully the law of God and the church by conquering, get that word, conquer, by conquering all obstacles and all assaults of our enemies. Conquering. Fortitude is about conquering. Okay? It's not about taking it on the chin and smiling. It's about conquering. Knowledge. Knowledge is a gift enabling us to estimate created things at their proper worth. 
and to learn how to use them rightly, to direct them to our last end, which is God. Piety. He says, Piety is a gift that enables us to venerate and love God and, and, and his saints, and to preserve a pious and loving mind toward our neighbor for the love of God. And finally, the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? It's a gift which makes us respect God and fear to offend his divine majesty and which detaches us from evil while inciting us to do good. Latin for the day. Et dimite nobis debita nostra. Sicud et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris. It's the longest of the seven petitions of the Our Father. Probably the hardest to interpret. Means forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's a tricky one. It always seems to throw us a curveball. You read that Latin and say, what does that mean? But remember that dimite. Forgive. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In this petition, we're asking God to be habitual forgivers for the grace to forgive on a dime. The drop of a hat, we forgive. Habitually. It's Friday, the day of penance. Give up meat today. No meat today. Pick some penance to do and stay with it all day. Remember what Jesus says, do penance or perish.